This episode of The Candid Frame is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code CANDIDFRAME. We also have the support of lynda.com, who with over 2,000 high-quality and engaging videos, provides a wide breadth of courses from beginner to advanced. lynda.com is there to help you learn creative software and business skills to achieve your personal and professional goals. To take advantage of their seven-day free trial, visit lynda.com forward slash the candid frame. That's L-Y-N-D-A forward slash the candid frame. You can now download the latest episode of The Candid Frame directly to your smartphone or tablet using the Candid Frame app. Available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows 8, you can automatically receive and listen to the latest episode minutes after it's released. Mark and download your favorites or send your comments and suggestions directly to me via the app. Download it today using your favorite app store or click on the links in the show notes found at the Candid Frame website. This is Ivarian X, and welcome to the show. There are a lot of photographers who I've talked to whose conversations have never made it onto the show. Sometimes I lament the fact that I didn't have a recorder with me because there are some real gems to be had there. I've had just such conversations with today's guest, Tony Sweet, who was one of the original guests of the show in its early years. I'm glad we kept in touch because Tony has always been a great inspiration to me, both as a photographer and as a businessman. He is also the kind of photographer that I think many people should aspire to be, by which I mean he doesn't let much stop him. He's always moving forward and the benefit is some amazing work. So enjoy and be inspired by our conversation with Tony Sweet. All right, well, well, Tony, welcome back to the Candid Frame, man. It has been a long time since I talked to you. Um, I'm glad you reached out. It's always I've been keeping up with you for years because you're one of my favorite photographers that I met through through Better Photo. Because you're such an inspiration. Because you, you just go for it. You always surprise me with what you what you do. And one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is this whole idea that you, you're constantly reinventing yourself as a photographer, even though you, you focus a lot on nature and landscape and, you know, abstract, you're, you're always playing. And, and even though you, you're involved in a, in a practice that's very technical and involves a lot of time and a lot of effort, it seems that, that your development as a photographer is so invested in your willingness to play. And and that's where I want to get you know start from. Is that am I really on the mark when I say that about you and your work? Well, basically, yeah. I mean, I mean all this stuff is again and and, and we talked about this um is is, is a, a, a a a a lateral move to you know from you know, from uh, playing jazz music, you know. I mean, there's not a lot of difference to me from one to the other, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 um it's the same basic idea. That's how you play improvised music. You get in there and play around and see what happens. Some things work, some things don't. The more you do it, the better you get at it. There's uh, anything real is not formulaic, you know. So you have to be open to uh, 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 not falling into those kind of traps, you know, these formula things. I mean, it's just like uh, we all go to the same places, man, same time of year, same gear to go to the same overlook to get the exact same shot, basically. Yeah. There's got to be more to it, man. Yeah, there has to be. (laughs) But how do you not fall into that that trap? Because you spend so much time trying to get good at making a particular photograph. And you get there, and then the desire is to spend a lot of time sort of refining that. And then then I see you go, you're still doing that, but all of a sudden you go off on some tangent. And all of a sudden I'm seeing you doing infrared, black and white, HDR. And I'm like going... (laughs) <laughs> you know, most people are kind of reluctant to 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 
to make those leaps because they're so focused on trying to get good at that one that one thing. So why is it for you that you you feel like the need or the impulse to not just get good at this one thing, which you certainly do, but but to make the time to go out and start really sometimes from scratch, having to learn something as as a beginner and to start developing and making those mistakes and and growing as a photographer. Well, it's the process, which is attractive to me. You know, I mean, I mean, not just getting the shot. Getting the shot is a culmination of the process. I mean, that's just one fraction of why I do this. You know, it's the entire. If it's a creative process, technical process, whatever. You know, it's it's um, it's the ability to find another way for self-expression. That's what it's about, man. Is expressing yourself, not somebody else. Mm. You know, and and uh, the more tools that we have at our disposal. To or realize that um, "quote unquote" vision, whatever it's called, you know. I mean, the more tools that we have, that we can call on to um, to find our own, find or realize our own voice. I think that all ties in, doesn't it? I mean, it kind of all works together, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it makes perfect sense. And I, it, it's but it's kind of interesting that even though you're practicing all these different techniques, I see Tony Sweet in all those pictures. Oh, it's very nice of you to say that, man. I, I, I can't see that. <laughs> I, you know, I, I do because it's just something about the way that you, you know, use color, your, your tones, and and I look at those photographs and it, and I feel like it's coming from the same person. And when I see other people practicing different techniques, I don't necessarily see that because I think a large part of it is that they're so focused on the process and the technique to the exclusion of being able to really say something for themselves that it gets lost. And I think that's when you see people doing HDR or infrared, while there's a, there's a certain sameness because everyone is sort of practicing the same technique. So how do you sort of get your voice through all that, all the mechanics that are required for doing, you know, different that type of, let's, let's talk for example, for HDR. Okay. You know, for all the people who poo-poo it, I think that there is a, there's a, there's a, it's a valid tool when used well and when you know what you want to say with it. So, for example, with, with, with HDR, how do you get past all that sort of initial noise of it just being sort of a, 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 a trend, a goof or whatever, and make it your own and say, okay, this, I'm using HDR, but this is a Tony Sweet photograph. Well, that that's really uh, um, uh, yeah. I don't quite think that way, you know. <laughs> but uh, HDR, like I use it the way it, it's supposedly meant to be used: high dynamic range. If one picture cannot get everything, then you need more than one exposure. That's just that's just basic math, you know. Um, a lot of people just shoot like you know seven and nine. I'm sure you know them. Every shot's nine shots. Mm -hmm. Every shot seven shots. I mean, man. I mean that's something else that didn't that's that means nothing to me that's just math that's just taking shots and, and hitting the software button and saying good to go you know there's nothing there to me you know i mean every shot is different and unique and every situation is different and unique and and when shots call for a multiple multiple exposure approach hdr being one of them um then i'll call on the software or i'll shoot a manual hdr where i'll take several shots and, and then just brush in mask in certain areas um but I tend to look for when I do a specific HDR shot. I want to get somebody to look at it and 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 think there's something going on, but I'm not quite sure what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's kind of um, that's the look that I'm going for. You know, like a little bit over the top, but not crazy. Is there a time for crazy? Sure, of course. Is there a time for HDR that looks totally natural? Of course. You know, but how do I put my stamp on it? That's for you to say. I can't really see that. You know, but it seems like you 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 have an idea of what you want even before you, you expose those first frames rather than being a slave to a technique that someone else has dictated. Well, this is what you have to do. It seems like you're, you're saying you look at the scene and you go, okay, this is what I want to get. These are the limitations I face. And, and then I'm going to make some conscious choices in terms of how many exposures, how many are going to be underexposed or overexposed and thinking ahead in terms of what you're going to need to do in order to, massage the image in Photoshop or Lightroom and, and with all the different plugins. Well, sure. There's, there's quite a bit of that, you know, um, but the basic image making process is, is um, with HDR in particular, I mean, people think that it, it, it's pretty much a, um, a very symmetrical process. Mm 
they'll shoot average plus two, minus two, plus four, minus four, very symmetrical. You know, you know, like when in fact, many of them may just be average minus two, minus four, plus one. You know, as, as long as the brackets are by one stop and no more than two, it does not need to be in a sequence, you know. So you being very specific about your HDR image, it can give you uh, 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 more of the, lat- the latitude that you want to get everything, everything to look right with it, over-processing, getting too much, too many overexposed, too many underexposed, which also brings in too much noise, all these things. You know, so just a very clean, as few as images as possible. To get that is, is, is where I start. And I kind of view these things, like all images, as just raw material. Yeah. It's like getting iron ore, like pour it into a, a mold and, and make it an I-beam. You know, it's raw material. Most of the work to me, of course, composition is king. It always has been, always will be. But once you have a good composition, everything else is done in your imagination, done in software. You know, and that's where the magic happens. That's where it is. That's where it is. Well, I, I love that you, you you say that about composition because I think that gets lost in in so oh, much te- technique and you know, lens choice and all the stuff that you can do in software. And it's so much about what you choose to include and exclude in the image, whether you render it as a straight photograph or whether you do it as an infrared or an HDR. It's so much about what you choose to put in the frame. And I, you know, and sometimes I think that, that the development of a photographer to learn to see, not just compose, but to learn to see like the camera does and to use it to to their advantage is something that that we kind of miss out on because we're so fixated on all these other uh, on all of these other things um you know you teach students and you have your workshops and you how do you how do you communicate that because so many of them are, are come to you really eager to learn a particular technique how do you sort sure. of slow them down and say, okay, hold on, hold on to your horses. Let, let me teach you how to see first before you start getting into all this, into all this sort of process. I, I know it's kind of a wild, a wide question, but I'm wondering if you have any, any tips that can help people sort of really take a step back before they just dive head first into some sort of, some new, new process. Oh, it's a very simple process. I mean, I told all my students or clients who come in, a lot of them are quite, quite good actually. You know, um, the um, everyone should have like up on their wall a, a plaque that says "Isolate and Simplify," because I think if you do those two things on your next image, you'll be a better photographer. Isolate your subject, get rid of all the crap around the edges, simplify it, take the picture. It sounds easy, it's not, but the steps are very few. Find a good subject, isolate it. That might mean zoom in. You shallower depth of field, change your angle, but make your subject a subject, you know, and then simplify around it. And I think once you do that, you know, the main uh, uh, issue you know, that I see with, with workshop and, and photographers in general, um, are the one, and myself included once in a while, that you want to tend to include a, just a whole lot of stuff in, in the frame, you know. Yeah. And, and that's kind of a nice first shot, but that's your warm-up shot. And there's probably like five or six more past that that will be a lot better once you get past that initial freak out, how beautiful something is. Then you calm down and then you start looking tighter at the scene and picking out smaller areas, isolating them and simplifying them. That's kind of the process that I try to to tell people, you know, just don't go nuts and with your wide angle and, and go crazy. You know, I mean, you know. Isolate and simplify. Pick a subject, isolate it, simplify it. That's yeah. really all there is to it. And and practicing that patience. I was just looking at some stuff that I shot in New York back in two thousand nine, and it was a it was a photograph of a wo- woman who was eating a sandwich behind a window, and there was a reflection of some like uh, uh, the metal of the building to the left of her, reflecting like the people walking by her in the street. And at nice. the time, it was just a scouting. Uh, a scouting trip. I really wasn't seriously thinking about the photographs, but I looked at that photograph and I must've made like 10 different photographs and each one of them was slightly different until I had one where I felt like, wow, that's really a, a, a good shot. And I'm so glad that even though I wasn't consciously thinking about trying to make a good photograph, quote unquote, at that moment, that I still was in the practice of, okay, I'm here. There's something here. 
and I really have to explore it. I can't just take one shot, look at the LCD and go, okay, I got something and walk away. I got I got to stick here for whether it's five frames or whether it's 30 frames and, and hope that that moment where all those things converge happen and that I can get it. And I think that, that too many of us as photographers are so impatient. And I love in the videos where I've seen you work, man, you you really take your time. I mean, once you find that subject, you are working it. You are working it. And that's awesome to see. I do the best I can, man. But I'll tell you, I'm very impatient. You know, but uh, <laughs> there's there's times for that. And there's times to be you know, to be the other way around. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, there's times for that. You got to move. You got to you got to roll. And time just, just to plant yourself and say, okay, this is where I am. And, th- and then you stay there. I mean, nothing's one or the other, but uh, oh, I'm, I'm very impatient, man. But, uh, but not with everything and not all the time. It depends. Yeah. And now I'd like to take the time to thank our sponsors. Whether you believe it or not, we're already halfway through the year. And you might be one of those photographers who back in January made a New Year's resolution to finally create or update your website. If you haven't, you're not alone. But the great thing is that you can keep that commitment to yourself today and create a website as quickly as it would take you to drive to your local coffee house, grab a cup of coffee, read a few newspaper articles, and get back home. That's because Squarespace's template design makes it fast and easy to create a website. Its drag-and-drop interface makes it simple to pull in your best images and make you and your work look great. Do yourself a favor and just take an hour and find out what Squarespace can do for you. You don't need a credit card, just create an account and go for it. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code CANDIDFRAME to get 10% off and to show your support for the show. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. But, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about is like, I'm really, I can be really good at, at this thing we're talking about in terms of simplify subject, background, make it really clean. But one of the things that I'm really striving to do is make much more complex images, you know, including more in the frame, but still have a sense of balance, rhythm, um, you know, where those other elements do not distract from my, my main subject, but sort of complement it in some way. And man, that, kicks my ass like nothing else uh but i see that sometimes with some of your pictures you're able to sort of do that and i'm wondering you know you sort of developing that sort of process has that been difficult for you too or do you find that you know sometimes it it just happens whether you really want to have to work towards it you know what what is it like for you that to me is is a direct function of of uh you know playing jazz and improvising within a group because rather than seeing like separate elements out in front of you, you're hearing elements as they go by in real time, you know, and, and, and you got to fill in that, that spot or not to make everything work and have the exact same sense of space and proportion as you see in a visual scene like in front of you, you know, there's, there's no difference to me. There's none. It's the exact same thing. And, 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 and how do you teach that? I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, you can't teach everything. Can you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. We don't yeah. be Picasso's, you know, I mean, you know, <laughs> you'd, you'd never have time to produce your own work. Pretty much. Yeah. And, and some things are just how, just how you're wired, you know, and, and that's, and that's a fact, you know, Everybody has their thing, man. So when when you started getting into, you know, saying the, the black and white, which is sort of another aspect of, of your work, what, oh, yeah. what, what was drawing you to that? What did you feel like that was giving you that the color work that you were doing, which you're so good at, wasn't giving you? And, and what was, what kicked your ass in terms of you switching over to black and white and going, Oh man, I'm really having trouble making as good a black and white shot as I as I usually do color. I've got some good friends who are extremely good at that. They've been doing it a lot longer than I have, and I, I kind of dabbled in it, you know. But then I saw the work of you know people people that you know, Cole Thompson probably, and 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 uh, uh, Chuck Kimmerly, who are both probably the top, uh, some of the top most talked about black and white artists uh, today, you know. 
And um, I'm seeing their work. It's like, why did my stuff look like that? And then I've got friends who had really great work. It's like, why don't, you know, I, I, I couldn't quite figure it out. So you start playing around, trying to figure out what they do in the software and how they process it and everything. There's a certain line that you cross in black and white when it goes from like, you know, okay to like pow. The, the very next slider, man, and, 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 and you have it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's a, there's a real line. That there's, there's an obvious line that you cross in black and white that it's like it's just banal and then it's like killer, you know. It's a, and, and I can't always find it, but, yeah, but I know it when I see it. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, what, you know, what brought that about? It was just time. It was just time, you know. I wanted something different, and uh, I was doing more material that I thought lent itself better to black and white uh, interpretation. And um, it's just something else to learn, something else to feed everything else, you know. You know, one of the places that you shoot uh, frequently that uh, I'm so envious is the uh, penitentiary. Come on, man, it's just a plane ride, you know? Oh, my God, but I look at the stuff you do in there, and it's just so wild. And and it's really interesting to me, because I know you revisit there often, and I know you're teaching workshops, but uh, it's I think one of the challenges about shooting in a place like that is like there is so much there that you could shoot that you really have to sort of rein yourself in rather than just shooting everything and just coming up with some mediocre shots. So you have an advantage in the fact that you've gotten really familiar with that place, but that familiarity can also make it more of a challenge for you to be able to come away with something that's different, that's that's sort of unique. I know that you're there primarily because you're teaching and you're not really there to produce your own photographs, but I can't help but think that sometimes you're looking for something that you haven't made before. So, you know, when it comes to an environment that is that rich, and that familiar, you know, what do you look for so that you can come away with at least one shot that says, okay, I have not done this before. This is different. This is, this is me exploring different territory. Uh, well, that's a good question. Well, basically, you know, like, uh, you know, being a human being as all of us are, you know, it, 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 we sort of can't do the exact same thing over and over again forever. We're just not wired that way. You know, things have to have variation that's why we go back to the same spots all the time. You know, the same half dozen spots we go back to every single year. And every year I find new stuff because you can't shoot what's been done. So it makes you look deeper and deeper into what's there. And, you know, maybe I, uh, there's a, a light sock that was like great or kind of rust and stuff that I, you know, that I wouldn't shoot previously because it wasn't the big scene. Mm-hmm. I've got, yeah. Like I've got all the big scenes. So now what's next? And you start looking smaller and, and, and again, isolating, simplifying the area. And, and getting smaller things. You can also light paint. Uh, another thing I'm playing around with, you know, um, I use a lens baby. I'm using a, a mirrorless format now, which I, which I mentioned to you in, in our notes. You know, uh, these are all reshooting everything, you know, but you want to do it differently. And, uh, you know, it, it's just going back um, um, over and over again, not just once. We all know that one time is snapshots. We all know that. Yeah. You got to go back second and third time and like get beyond that and get into more of what it feel it feels like to be there. That's that's another key phrase you know that I use for myself. You know what did it feel like to be there? The raw files, not what it felt like to be there. That's just that's just math. Those are numbers. It's a set of instructions. Your raw files, not what it felt like to be there. You know that's your that's your raw material, and then through um, how you compose the image and how you process it, it comes into where. It gets that feeling where, oh yeah, that's that's what that's how it was. Yeah. That's how it was, and that's that's kind of the process for that. But as far as shooting the same thing, I can't do that. You know, you just if you keep going back, you you just naturally find other things because you can't do the same stuff over and over again. We're just not made that way. Yeah, you know, you, you've you, when I saw you sort of really embrace uh, iPhoneography using your iPhone. And like you just mentioned, you're using mirrorless cameras. You know, it seems really interesting that I, that. I see a photographer working with equipment that offers its own set of limitations. And I think most photographers are, are thinking the opposite. They want, they want equipment that doesn't create more limitations for, for them. But it seems like that, that sometimes working with the limitations can, can actually be the best thing for your creativity. So I, I'm curious as to how 
you using these these cameras, like using the Fuji cameras, using the iPhone cameras, have really allowed you to do stuff that you, you know, not necessarily wouldn't do with your Nikons, but that allowed you to sort of approach how you shoot a little bit differently. Well, anybody in the arts um, realizes it's a fact of life that you get more creative as, as the constraints you know, get uh, get tougher. You know, it makes you think out of the box, and that's what that's what it is. That's what it's about. You know, if you have, if you have everything at your disposal all the time, that's one thing, and that that's great. But we find that um, we're the most creative in, in, in areas that are constrained, limited, because it makes you think differently. You know. And the iPhone's got limitations. Um, so does the Fuji. So does Nikon. I mean, they all got their, their their upper limits, you know. And we want to push that. But in general, working within what working within the areas of of, of where these tools shine is 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 um, not always infinite. You know, it's very finite in most cases. Do you do you find you know emotionally being an artist i mean you've been doing this for a while and even before you were doing this you were you know you were performing music and being an artist you just go through those up and downs moments where you just feel like god i am in such a zone i'm being so creative and then the exact opposite of that where there's just right. like a dearth of 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 you feel like you're not getting anywhere that nothing's not not just that you're not making images but the images that you're making are not what you are capable what you think you're capable of doing so you know how do you contend when you're riding those waves because people look at you and they see how productive and they think oh you know he's he's impervious to all that stuff and you know nobody is but i'm wondering you know how do you sort of contend with those moments from day to day to to stay productive to stay creative and not to get sucked up into that you know that that sand pit where all of a sudden you're just not you're not making the work and you can you know get in a funk or depressed or, or worse yeah you know i mean that that's part of the game uh, you know again most people including most artists quote unquote and and, and every psychiatrist know that all the really good stuff that we do lives in a very dark place. It's common knowledge. <laughs> Ask anybody. That's that's the way it is. And uh, you can take drugs if you need to. Some people need to. But if you do that, and again, we all know this, man, it's going to cut back on that creativity. It, it's just one of, uh, you know, you know, one of, uh, uh, of nature's cruel trade-offs, one of many, that in order to get this, you got to have this. And that's that's what it is. How do you deal with it? I wait for, I, I don't know, I try to do stuff. I, I generally get the most surprising stuff done when I feel in, in the darkest place. It's just, mm. it's just the way it is. You know, if I feel really great, it's probably not as good as it's, it probably could be if I felt terrible. Not terrible, but yeah, yeah you know, moody, a little under the weather, you know, plagued with self-doubt, all these like very human things that we all go through. Um, but that's, that's what kicks in. You know, that, uh, that creative juice, man, it's just, uh, it's a very unfortunate, uh, it's just not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find that, that, that where you live really kind of helps you because, you know, you don't have to travel very far to, you know, to, to find places to get invigorated? Um, to do the kind of photography that you do? Or do you find that despite the fact that that environment is relatively close to you, it can be really hard to get out of that office and do all that busy work that we photographers have to do to, to, to eke out a living? Yeah, that one, the second one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, you know, what that does is it, it, it makes us maximize our time out. So it does actually uh, act as an impetus to... Um, make us more productive in a much smaller window. That's all we have, yeah. you know, at, at, at times, you know, so that, the, that again is working within constraints, which that's another positive aspect of it. It makes you do stuff or else it doesn't get done. Yeah. It's one or the other. Yeah. Have you recently felt like you had a breakthrough in your photography? Cause I know we've, we've talked about all these different types of photography that you're doing and, you know, you can be so busy with making pictures, with running a business, that sometimes you don't necessarily have a perspective in terms of how you're growing or developing as a photographer. But, you know, was there 
an image or a series of images fairly recently where you looked at it and you went, wow, I've, I'm not only doing something new, but I'm exploring much new territory that got you excited in a way that you might not have been for a while. I made a breakthrough in black and white recently is just, um, yeah, you kind of cross that, that Rubicon to like being good to like, Oh, there we go up in there. So that's kind of a breakthrough for me to get that really hard edge black and white kind of a look, which I've been looking for for a few years. Um, but there's always breakthroughs always, you know, you, you push a slider in some plugin, you got a breakthrough. I mean, there's always breakthroughs, you know, I mean, little surprises that, you know, that, you know, that affect your work from that day on, you know? So there's always those things, man. Anything dramatic? Not anymore. I mean, it's just all small stuff. It's all small steps, you know? I mean, that that's what the bottom line is. After you make the initial, like, you know, the huge, like, you know, my exposures are great. I'm getting good subjects now. I'm getting these great spots at the right time. Getting like I can read the light. I can judge. You know all these huge blocks of information. And once they all settle down, then you have small moves, small moves, one after another. Yeah. In many areas. In many areas. Well, t- tell me a little more about your black and white because that's something that I've been working on. Um, like you, I you know been using Nick Silver Effects Pro since it first came out. Yeah. And me just too. the last couple of months. I have really been delving with it, experimenting with it, trying to find my version of black and white. Yeah, that's know? what it comes down to. And that's right. I've been doing a combination of, of things in Lightroom, working with it in Lightroom, or flattening the images completely in a right Lightroom and dependent more on manipulating it in Silver FX Pro 2, and just playing around with trying to find not just an image that looks good for that individual photograph, but trying to find a way of being able to create black and white images that are strong, but they're consistent and they're mine. Yeah. Um, well, that, that's, that's the ball game. How's it working out for you so far? It's good. I'm getting a little closer. Uh, I'm getting a little closer to it. I'm, I'm not exactly there yet. I'm still, I'm still seeing some wider variation than I'd like to, but you know, one of the things that it's, it's, it's making me very aware of is how critical it is for me to nail the exposure when I shoot. Not so much that I get a good exposure, but I get the exposure that's going to be right for the way I intend to render it as black and white, which is two different things. It sure is. And, that's uh, right. And, you know, whether it's a flat scene or it's a high contrast scene, I'm I'm starting to have to be very aware where about where I weight the exposure so that when I bring it into Lightroom and in, into to Silver Effects Pro, I can get that look. Because if I don't get that right, I have that much more work that I have to do in order to massage it. And it's never quite right. Um, well, that's what, the, yeah, exactly. You know, I, I mean, if you if you rely on the software for inadequacies, it, it, it hardly ever works. You got to go in there strong. And then uh, like it'll work for you, just like you're saying. Yeah. So, but, but tell me about your whole process in terms of being able to find that that what you just said that that voice in black and white that you were sort of struggling with for a while that you just recently felt like okay, I'm I'm if not necessarily nailing it, I'm I'm really closer to that vision that I had when I initially started seriously doing this black and white. What? What did you discover in terms of either the way you looked at the pictures or your process that's allowing you to do that? Well, I'm adding a little more contrast at the end. You know, that's kind of more than I ever would have thought I would need to do that. Um, that's that's one way, adding a little more black point, getting the blacks really, really black, much more than I would, uh, you know, than I would do in the past. You know, um, not really, not really crazy contrast because that's a whole other style. Which I'm not really, that's not my style. But, uh, well, how do you explain, you know, uh, there's a certain look that I had, which wasn't quite cutting it. And, and now on specific images, not everyone, cause, cause I, I'm, I'm still searching like you are, you know, um, on certain ones, like I know certain things are going to work, yeah. you know, cause my subject matter is so varied you know, that there's no overarching, there'll, there'll never be, there'll never be one overarching way to do that. But, uh, for certain types of shots, man, I, I got this dialed in pretty good, you know, uh, like, uh, um, you know, my latest blog, not that I'm plugging, I'm sorry to plug my blog, but that's kind of a, uh, let's say a, a little breakthrough work on that. All that black and white stuff is, is this new process that I kind of discovered for me, you know, shot in uh, Iceland of the, um, the, uh, uh, Apple store, 
in in yeah. Reykjavik, and then that's what got me thinking. They're like, oh yeah, okay. And then I pulled up all these shots of the uh, the Harpa Fine Art Convention Center in Reykjavik, which is like you know it's like just glass, like beautiful, reflects the light all throughout the day, you know, and it's just like tons of patterns, like surreal Escher type stuff, you know. And I pulled those out, and like everything seemed to work on those. So I was like, okay, we got it's sort of a, a small little little toehold here on something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> What do you want to learn about photography? Do you want to learn about composition, flash, or lighting? Or do you want to develop more advanced skills, such as those of a wedding or a travel photographer? Well, you'll find courses on these topics and so much more on lynda.com. They not only have great instructors, but all the courses are self-paced so that you can learn and develop your skills at your leisure. You can experience this for yourself and watch over 2,000 quality videos for free for a limited time. I worked out a special deal with lynda.com to provide you with unlimited access to the entire library for seven days. Visit lynda.com forward slash the candid frame to use it for a week. That's lynda.com forward slash the candid frame to start your seven day free trial and help support the show. But well, you were talking about that you were using the, the Fuji cameras recently, and I've had a real yeah, interest yeah. In, in these mirrorless cameras for, for a while now. I played around with an X100 last weekend. I've been using the Samsung. I've shot with the Olympus. I'm hoping to shoot with the, uh, a Sony this week, and it's a real different experience shooting with these cameras. Um, what what excites you about using these cameras, and, and why... Do you think they're an important tool, regardless of what limitations they may or may not have? Well, they're important because they're light, you know, and if they were just light, that wouldn't be enough. But they're light and, 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 and they're, um, they're excellent as far as file size goes, image quality, lenses are great. It, with, uh, with, yeah, I shoot Fuji right now, primarily. I've got my Nikons also. But um, the, uh, the files are like, you know, uh, uh, in 90 megabyte at 16 bits, so they're not small files. They're the major league, major league files. But um, the first camera I ever had, it was a Fuji S1. You know, first one I ever had, because I love Fuji Color. You know, they're a color company. The Fuji is a color company, and I promise you, anyone that shoots the the, the Fuji system, you will know that the raw files look like Velvia. I mean, they look phenomenal. The color is absolutely stunning on the uh, Fuji, you know, but, uh, just back to your question again, to, uh, to a paraphrase of uh, the great, uh, Jay Mizell, you know, the more you carry, the less you shoot, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and who hasn't experienced that? I don't know you have, and I, and I certainly have, you know, and it gives you the ability to carry a, a pretty good system, like in a vest, you know, you carry a 56, one, what is it? A one, two, and a 23 and a 35, you have like, you know, all three, and they're all like fast. They're all the great street lenses, you know, and they fit into a vest. They don't weigh anything, you know, and, and that enables you to not worry about that. You know, setting the bag down, getting all this stuff out, you know, it's just very light, you know, and that's the main thing. And I've pretty much been shooting that with, with some exceptions since uh, September, last September, you know. So, um, we like it a lot. Friends of mine who uh, use it and we're seeing it, like every pro that I know either is thinking about it real seriously, they've made the switch, or they've got one as a backup. Now, the yeah. backup stuff's funny because you start using a Fuji but, you, but keeping your Nikon gear in the car. That's kind of the process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just all there. And then months go by and, and the Nikon bag's just sitting there or the Canon bag just sits there. So then you start leaving it home, you know, and then that's all you shoot now, you know. But that's that's the process, you know. Yeah, it's but it's funny. a pretty impressive. It's very impressive gear. Yeah, I went out and did a I did a commercial shoot a couple of um, weeks ago, and I had all my Canon stuff, and I was just like, oh my god! And it'd been months since I'd carried that stuff, you know, the seventy to two hundred, the twenty four to one hundred five, the you know, all this stuff, and it was like, oh my god! I used to carry this stuff all the time. Yes, and yes, now sir. I go that's out right. with one camera and one lens, and and you know, I, I'm not missing 
not having all that gear. I mean, if I have a job, then yeah, I'll bring all that stuff. But if I'm sure, just going out sure. to, to shoot for myself, the less that I have, the more I'm able to focus on seeing rather yeah. than going, yeah. well, what exactly. lens am I going to use and stuff like that. In the, you know, let's, uh, let's be honest here that the top of the line Canon, top of the line Nikon gear, some of the best stuff in the world always will be. No problem. But I'm going to get short on my own, you know, as I get, like I don't want to have my spine compressed, you know, with a camera <laughs> bag, you know what I mean? And, and that stuff is very heavy, man. It just is, you know, and, and, and that's the main thing. And I'm surprised, actually astonished that, uh, um, that Nikon and Canon have not taken this thing seriously enough to come up with a, a competing system. Uh, I'm just, I'm just speechless. Yeah, that's a show onto itself, man. I got a lot of theories about it's, that. But. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I really, you know, I've got a theory or two, but I don't know. You're right. So that's a whole other issue. <laughs> <laughs> well, with you know, you're you're doing you know your workshops. You got your books. And, you know, you're doing all these different things in which you're helping to educate people to become better photographers. And, you know, and I like to ask people, you know, this question who do this, because there's so many schools, there's so many workshops, there's so many ways to learn photography. You know, if, if someone's coming to you and going, you know, how do I make sure that I'm getting the most out of whatever path that I choose to learn and become a better photographer? What do I need to look for? to make sure that they're being served as best they can. Cause you know, it's the photography alone is, is, is an expensive hobby, but photo education adds a bit of money that people are even more reluctant to spend. But, you know, I think it's a really invaluable tool to get better, but you know, what, what suggestions do you have for people who are looking at all the different choices that they have out there, uh, you know, to make better choices about where they spend their money and their time. Well, sure, sure. I, I mean, like in my own case, that, that's what I can reference here, is I started as a nature photographer. That's what I wanted to do. That was it. Boom, period. No people, no nothing. Nature. That was it. That's where I started. And since I had that direction, you know, I found people that knew a lot more than I did. And I drove them crazy. You know, I joined a camera club. And I would go where they work. I'd ask them questions. I'd drive to yeah everywhere because I wanted to learn nature photography. So I, I, the first thing is join a camera club. That uh, and there's many genres of that now. Fashion, if you're into that, food, nature, people, candies, you name it. There's all kind of meetup groups and all kind of clubs that uh, that cater to that specific thing. Um, but I would suggest to anybody to to begin by not by not pigeonholing yourself. You know, I mean, I, I kind of knew what I wanted because I was older. When I started, but uh, uh, learn whatever you can. Shoot everything. Shoot everything. And sooner or later, you will find yourself shooting more of one thing than anything else. And then you kind of go with that. Look for more specific classes. Find teachers you enjoy being with who are good teachers and spend time with them in workshops. Um, not just one, several different points of view, you know. Yeah. Definitely go online. Um, yeah. Pretty much, there's no cookie cutter way to do that, but that's uh, do everything, yeah. try everything, man. And, and I think and that, an important thing that to, to add to that is to one find people who challenge you, but who respect you. Sure, and always, and and to be ready to walk away from from individuals or groups that that uh, you know are hampering your ability to grow as a photographer, because I think. Sometimes some groups have their agendas or they have their personalities and say there's only one one way to do anything, and there isn't. <laughs> God knows. And I think it's important that, that people, you know, when they're making their choices to really kind of take care of themselves, whether they're attending a workshop or a photo club, that, you know, be as discriminating as you would with the people you invite into your house as you are with the people who you share your work with. That's right. Uh, because that's it, right. It's it's you know you're you're making yourself very vulnerable by exposing your work to someone, and you really need to be very careful and cautious about who you choose to, you know, express that part of yourself with. Well, there's truth to that, but you also need the ability, and it is an acquired skill to um, you know, don't let people dissuade you from what you want to do. I mean, I've shown work to 
you know, to a Susan a lot. She likes a fraction of it. <laughs> but it's like, but I don't care because it's my picture and I'll take criticism if it's valid. She's very good at that and okay, got it. But it does not alter the overarching idea of what I wanted to do. You know, uh, it's important to stick by your guns, man. Don't be dissuaded. If someone doesn't like what you do, just say fine and move on. Just keep doing what you do. You know, you, you know there's no future in copying people. There, there's just not. It's fun. You get good pictures. I'll sell you mine. You know, you got to find your own voice out there. And that is a process, man. And it really is. But it's an essential process if you're serious about this. Well, you mentioned Susan, which I think we need to talk about yeah. because she's actually a key component of not only what you do as a photographer, but what you do as a business. And, and, and let's take it from the point of view about as an extension of this last question in terms of, you know, you've got a lot of experience, a lot of work under your belt, and you're no beginner. You know, you 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 know you you're pretty you're pretty advanced and sophisticated in terms of what you're doing. Tell me about at that level, you know, who you choose to share your work with, talk about talk about the work with, so that you know that you can keep your game up, but that also that that to keep you, you know, inspired, that keeps you, you know, that keeps a, a situation where the, the people who who you can trust can be honest with you and kick your butt when you need it uh, there. Oh, sure. Uh, sure. I've got several friends um, who are wrong. Yeah, what do you think of this? And they'll say, I don't like it. I'll say, why not? And they'll give me a case and I'll take it or I won't. You know, with uh, Sue, it's the same thing. You know, I mean, it, you don't learn by somebody saying that's great all the time. <laughs> you don't learn anything. You know, you learn by getting thoughtful feedback by somebody who uh, who cares about your work, basically, and cares about you as a person, which is more important. You know, um, but I've got friends, not a whole lot, because I kind of know what I like, what I don't. You know, when I ask Sue if she likes something, I kind of know she's not, and I kind of know why. I just need affirmation on that. You know, so I kind of know what I like. I kind of know what I want to do at this stage of the game. Well, sure, I'll pop it to friends if, if I have any doubt, and uh, they'll be totally honest. You know, I got my mentor from uh, Cincinnati, uh, John Barkley, good friend of mine, uh, Dan Sniffen. Uh, there's there's a bunch, Brenda Tharp, people you know, that you know, of course, yeah. you know, and uh, yeah, and 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 they get the same thing from me because I know it, it does. It serves no purpose to say, yeah, that's great. That's not a critique. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, like we said before, you're always busy. But what's some? What are some of the things that you're planning uh, for 2014 that you'd like to share about? Uh, oh yeah, future news. Future news. Um, <laughs> working on an iPhone book um, right now. It's going to be a uh, got to get it done by December, and I'm like really struggling with it, you know. But I think I'll get there. Um, and doing more seminars, doing more one day seminars. I think that's the uh, a lot of the future of what we do um, will be to pull what we do, Sue and I, will be to pull back from the uh, the relentless travel in this kind of business and, and and do more. And we did six of these, six or seven this past winter, and they all went pretty well. We called them our creativity seminars. It goes into every you know, stitch pans, infrared, like all things that you're mentioning. Like we go into uh, uh, at length. Of course, compositions first. And a lot of software stuff. It's a day-long seminar. It's nine to five. We cover a lot of stuff. Give out some free notes, et cetera, and some free videos. But we want to do more of those. So that's kind of our um, push right now. We'll do maybe like eight or twelve next year. And we like going to Cuba, like going to Iceland, doing Portugal next year. Um, but cut back on, on the. Um, I want to be home more. You know, that's all. That's all. Yeah, I feel you there, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, pretty much it well my last question that I ask each guest is that I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore and it can be anyone someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered so who would that one photographer be and why <sighs> my goodness gracious man I should have thought of this uh, last week <laughs> <laughs> I know you had Deb on last week and I'm not being patronizing I'm telling you the truth Whenever I see a picture on Facebook, that's like, man, that is really great. That's a Deb Sandish picture. 
it's, it's like every time it's like, what is this? You know, yeah, the, the, yeah, the cloud thing she does, you know, and you know, long exposures, like, like we both do long exposures, but uh, that cloud thing that she does and, and like, you know, long exposure stuff and a little zooming things every time it's like, Oh, it's dead. You know, I mean, every time it's just amazing. Wow. You know, so I'd say right now people should, uh, if they aren't there already, uh, check out what she's doing, you know, and I'm not doing that to reciprocate. It's actually true, yeah. you know. Oh, cool, cool. So where can people go to find out more about everything that you're doing? Uh, TonySuite.com, and uh, please visit my blog, and please leave me a comment. It gets very lonely in the blogosphere, you know. And uh, that's about it, man. We have a workshop schedule up, and we're going to Iceland, and all the openings, if we have any, are listed on the site, and uh, all the products are on there, and uh, there you go, man. <laughs> well, Tony, man, it's always, always a great time talking to you, man. It's It's been too long, right. and I'm really glad we had a chance to chat. Man, it's always my pleasure talking to you, and glad to see that uh, you still have this thing going. Um, and I got to apologize. I, I went back to our first uh, our first uh, uh, interview in, in Better Photo Land, and I was cutting you off on every question, man. I felt, I said, what am I doing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> every time I was like, I was cutting you, it's like, what, what? You know, so I apologize for that, you know. <laughs> well, you, you, you've definitely improved since then, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, man. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the show. Remember that my latest book, Portraits of Strangers, is available for purchase. And for loyal listeners of the show, you can enjoy 30% off the ebook or any other book or DVD that I've produced, including my first book, Chasing the Light, Improving Your Photography Using Available Light. Click on the link on the show notes and use the promo code PORELLO, that's P as in Paul, E-R-E-L-L-O, to receive your discount. The Candid Frame is brought to you by the generous contributions of listeners just like you, as well as the work of our audio engineer, Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. And our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.